Happy Weirdness Day! Hey guys, this is our podcast. It's called On Wednesdays We Talk Weird, where every Wednesday we're going to talk about subjects ranging from the ooky to the spooky. We're also going to do a tarot card reading weekly. By me. And we're just going to kind of get a flow for the week and how things are, you know, looking to go. So, here we are. Today, um, I was actually on social media and I noticed that it was John Keel's birthday, which I thought was kind of fitting because the topic that we had picked to talk to you guys about this week was the Mothman. And John Keel, he's kind of the one that made the Mothman famous. I mean, he's kind of the reason, you know, why everybody talks about it so much um, because otherwise it was pretty obscure. So the Mothman... Um, it's kind of this local urban legend in West Virginia. Um, so in Point Pleasant, um, they started kind of seeing this weird humanoid type creature in the 1960s. And the sightings happened for about a year. Um, so they started in 66 when this group of kids um, had an encounter with this creature um, in this kind of this area. What they call it the TNT area but it's now like a wildlife preserve um but it used to be where the government um produced munitions and stuff like that during world war ii but like kids would go out there and drive around and they would you know smoke their pots (laughs) and uh you know do whatever it is kids do in weird abandoned places um but they were out there one day they were driving around and uh, they stopped and parked at the power plant area and they had seen this creature kind of walk out of the power plant. It was kind of stumbling around. It was kind of walking weird. Um, so they left. And the Mothman actually, they say, actually chased them down. Um, so after, you know, they had this weird encounter with him, they ended up going to the local police. And the sheriff actually, you know, went back to the area with the kids. And they didn't find it again. But they did, um, you know, they did have some weird situation so like the sheriff had like interference on his radio stuff like that um and then kind of from that point on you know the sightings picked up the whole town the whole town went out searching for this this you know mothman creature and um you know just kind of became like the thing to do you know the whole family would get out and you know go to the tnt area and just kind of search it and see what they could find so yeah Um, But the Mothman, you know, signings really picked up then. And then about a year later, um, they ended up having a really tragic event. The bridge connecting West Virginia to Ohio, the Silver Bridge, collapsed. And then after the bridge collapsed, he really wasn't seen again. Um, So a lot of people think that, you know, maybe he was an omen to try to, like, warn the town about the bridge or, you know, what have you. But Now, was he actually seen by the bridge then? Or was that just coincidence like he was spotted and then the bridge collapsed or did somebody see him from that point and then the bridge collapsed like a day later no it was about it was about a year so so when the sighting started it was november 1966 and the bridge collapsed december 1967 okay so and like that year of 67 was there any sightings then no well there might have been some like one-offs here and there just not reported right the majority of sightings happened you know in between that time frame and it didn't just happen in west virginia it happened in ohio as well it was actually an ohio journalist who dubbed the name mothman so um you know it's not strictly a local legend to them um but you know some people think that 
you know, what people were seeing at the time. Because the way that they described him, well, he was like six foot. He had like a, a he had wings. He had like a 10 foot wingspan. Um, and he just kind of like, it, he didn't really look like he had a head. Um, but it, it seems like more like he didn't have a neck rather than not a head. Um, but there was no like discernible. It was just kind of a rounded shape, you know, with these big red eyes. And most people, you know, say that it, you know, he, it was like black or brown um or something like that but you know there's some scientists that have said that it's possible that what people were seeing was a sandhill crane now i don't think that that makes any sense because sandhill cranes i mean they're they're white first of all so they're pretty easy to see the body shape is not correct yeah it's so small right i mean they do have like they do have like a 10 foot wingspan or whatever but i just don't i mean it just yeah, but for him to be six foot tall, that would have to be a right. really big bird. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, like, an owl would make more sense, and some people have said that. Um, now, granted, we know owls aren't that big, you know, but they do have those big round eyes that, you know, the Mothman's kind of known for having. So Well, and birds, they're a little harder to see. They're, they're often hidden away. It's like, when it comes to an owl specifically... You don't always see them you know it's not every day you can go outside and see an owl now there are people who have seen owls but you know if something doesn't want to be discovered you know it's going to avoid that well that's just true. like recently we had a bird that's been sighted for lord knows how long but they were finally able to capture like the first picture of it forget the name of the bird but you know, it just goes to show that we're still discovering things on our planet. Well, know, so right. And I mean, it's a possibility that maybe the Mothman's just like a, a big, just a big bird that we d haven't discovered yet. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's that's a good possibility. I mean, that's something that I always say when it comes to cryptozoology is that, you know, the most likely, um, the most likely candidates for being, you know, real are going to be animals that are either in the sky or in the water. Because we're on the ground. We we don't we're not typically in the sky or we're not typically in the water. I mean there's a lot of hiding places when you, you know, expand just beyond, you know, ground level. So I mean that that could be as well. Um, you know, it definitely could be something like that. Um, because the TNT area, you know, is government owned and because they have, you know, all this land or whatever, and then like now to this day there's still munitions at the TNT area. Like, they haven't cleaned them up. I think there was an explosion, actually, back in 2002, or 2010, actually. And um, they still haven't cleaned up all of the munitions that are there. So some people think that, you know, the Mothman could be, like, a mutated species, like something that we already know about, but, you know, has been mutated. I don't think that's likely... I don't, I don't personally believe in, like, radioactive mutations or anything like that. I mean, the science... Well, especially when it comes to something like you know explosives like that's not really something that's going to mutate anything it's not radioactive right exactly unless it's nuclear then i can see but right i mean it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem very likely to me um but you know i've never seen the mothman so i don't know you know now at the same time that um that mothman was happening that, that the sightings were happening um there were other weird things too um, and this is kind of where we're, you know, kind of where John Keel comes in. Um, so about 10 days before the first Mothman sighting happened, um, 
there is a guy, his name is uh, Woodrow Derenberger. He was driving home from work. And he says that a UFO stopped him in the middle of the road and a person got out. And when I say a person, like, he describes this as just an ordinary person, just a male, got out of the car, came over to the window um, and started speaking to him. But uh, Derenberger says that he talked to him telepathically. And they kind of had a conversation. Um, and, you know, they had about a 15 minute long conversation. Uh, the, you know, the regular guy got back into the spaceship and flew off. So Derenberger went home. Um, you know, he told his wife. He contacted local police. Um, they had the news came out, the media came out, they had a big press conference and everything. Um, but what I found strange was that um, uh, agents from Wright Pat Air Force Base came down and spoke with Darren Berger about his incident. And what Darren Berger says is that, you know, they they were they were really supportive, they were really nice, they believed his story, at least they, you know, made it sound like they did. Um, you know, so that was weird. So it's like, did the government know? Well, I mean, they're definitely in contact with aliens to some degree, even if it's not communicating. They they definitely have some some superior knowledge that we don't have. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way that they don't just because of you know Area Fifty One. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think I think. I think that is a good possibility, but it's like, did they know because they are aware of this um, character, which he told them uh, the, you know, the, the quote unquote regular guy told Darren Berger, his name was Indrid Cold. Um, did they know about Indrid Cold before or were they interested about learning about right. Indrid Cold? You know, so it's kind of a weird, you know, a, a gray area, I guess, you know. Because yeah, it could have been like, hey, we're trying to figure out, like, what this actually was. Or they're kind of going there to touch base to see, like, what kind of commu- communication was had. You know, like, did it, they give you any information? Did they, they tell you anything that is of importance? Right. Well, in the injured cold situation, like I said, it happened 10 days before the Mothman thing. And then, but it also happened in the same area. I mean, it was all, you know, in that area. So there, you know, there's some speculation that maybe injured cold and the Mothman are the same, you know, maybe they're the same person or maybe they're related somehow. Is there Um, a timeline that's constructed for that? Yeah, like so, from... so well, again, it happened 10 days in between, in between each other. Okay. Andrew Cold came down, talked to Woodrow Derenberger, and then 10 days later, the Mothman sighting started happening. Okay. So, um, you know, they do kind of coincide in the same area, and there were also a bunch of, just a lot of UFO sightings in the area in general, more than, than usual. Um, but in the 1950s, um, what happened kind of right before all this happened, I mean, there was another weird kind of one-off incident um, and it was the um, Flatwoods Monster. So this group of people, it was like a couple kids. It was, I think, the mom. There was another uh, adult there and then their dog. Um, they all went into the woods and they found this spaceship in the middle of the woods. And um, But with the spaceship, they also found this like alien-like creature, you know. And it was huge. It was like 10 foot tall. Um, kind of looks like a nun. It's kind of, you know, it kind of looks motherly. It's weird, but it also had these giant glowing eyes. And um, so they all, you know, they left the site. They ended up going back to, um, you know, back home and, you know, they reported the incident. 
Well, they had some people come out to the area where the spaceship was, because obviously they came back out and investigated. There was nothing there. However, what they did find was that the area was extremely radioactive. And then everybody in that group ended up getting really sick. Um, you know, within, I mean, within a week of this sighting, everybody got extremely sick. So it was a weird, it was just a very strange incident. And again, that happened, that was about an hour south of Point Pleasant. So, I mean, it's it's kind of seeming like, you know, these these incidences in, in West Virginia are happening frequently. I mean, you know, frequently enough. And, you know, they're all just so bizarre and they're all credible. I mean, if you if you go back and look at, you know, different people that have, you know, supposedly seen the Mothman, I mean, these, you know, these are credible people. You know, it's not just, you know, it's not just these random folks just wanting to be a part of something. Even like the, the famous, you know, with the Scarberry sighting with, you know the four kids or whatever um being chased by the mothman they make note of like how like they've they've talked later after they came out with the sighting and they've all mentioned how much you know it kind of really sucks for them because nobody believes them you know people don't believe that this happened except for other people that have seen the mothman you know but they've been made fun of you know they've been kind of ostracized from their community you know they didn't gain anything from it um Woodrow Derenberger he was just a regular guy you know he was actually a, a very god-fearing man he went to church frequently um he lost his job he lost his family um he ended up you know kind of giving up his religion i mean it really changed his life so i mean to think that these people are just reporting these sightings for clout it, that just doesn't really make any sense you know so also in west virginia is the um there's a seti satellite there and you know seti is you know the search for you know extraterrestrial intelligence um, and they put a SETI satellite out there because West Virginia is really a bunch of nothing. I mean, it is in the middle of nowhere. Most everything is in the middle of nowhere. And, um, you know, they put that satellite out there and that also happened in the 1960s. So, so do you think that has any connection with Roswell as far as like, you know, the technology used for these satellites? Cause aren't they, these satellites used for anything in particular? Like. They definitely could, and especially with, like, the fact that, like, Wright Pat could be involved or, you know, has been involved with any of this. Um, because, you know, people that, that supposedly see the Mothman, they've also been visited by the Men in Black. You know, they, they've mentioned that. And then, of course, we've got, you know, Woodrow Derenberger, who was visited by an associate of Wright Pat. Um, you know, so, I mean, with Roswell, I mean, that happened back in 47, 1947. And um, supposedly the pieces from the crash site and the bodies were taken to and are still stored at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. It's about two hours away from Point Pleasant. Um, you know, on that ship, if you think about it and you think about like how we travel on our boats and on our ships, um, we, have, uh, we have radios on them. So if this was an alien, a real alien spaceship that crashed, then you would think that they would have some type of radio on it for communication purposes. So if they took that technology and they brought it to Wright Pat, then they definitely could have, you know, tried to like reverse engineer and, you know, get that communication up and running. They could have taken that technology and applied it to a larger satellite because maybe they have the blueprints for it, but they don't have the correct materials because these are extraterrestrial materials, you know. Um, so then they could have applied that science then to the SETI satellite, you know, but, you know, who knows why it's, why it's there? I mean, like I said, it makes sense for them to put it there. You know, they're trying to reach out to somebody. Um, but did they, 
did they put it there and then they called maybe they put it there first and called these creatures to us because i believe the seti satellite uh was set up before all these sightings started happening and then all of a sudden all these sightings were happening and you know maybe it's because we put out some type of, of message to get there but I do think, you know, there's there's a good possibility, I mean, that the government's involved here. It doesn't make any sense. And I do think that all of these incidences are related. Um, I think that they're, they're too similar in such a close area for them kind of not to be. And, you know, that's kind of what, you know, that's what that's kind of what John Keel talked about. You know, he believes that all of these things are related. Um, he's been known to kind of call these beings um, ultra terrestrial which means that they can jump between dimensions. Um, and he thinks that that is a good explanation for them. And that's why there are like weird one-off sightings, like in the case of like the Flatwoods monster. Um, so what would differentiate it from an extraterrestrial? Well, an extraterrestrial, because we have, you know, we have different dim- dimensions. We're third dimensional. Okay. So extraterrestrials are just more intergalactic. They, right, they would be more intergalactic. Okay. They're still third-dimensional beings, but they just would live far away. They could, I mean, they could have more advanced technology than we would, whereas when you have an extraterrestrial, you know, they could be fourth-dimensional, fifth-dimensional, sixth-dimensional. I mean, we don't know. Our minds can't perceive those types of dimensions because we, we are only up to the third dimension. So, I mean, that would, you know, that would be the difference there. Um, you know, in the case of these being ultra-dimensional beings, I mean, it could be that, like, Mothman maybe came to our dimension, you know, maybe accidentally. Maybe it got stuck and couldn't leave. That's why he was here for a certain amount of time. Um, then again, if we're talking ultra-dimensional beings, it could be that Mothman was here. In his perception of time, he was only here for, like, five minutes. But to our perception of time, it would have been, what, 13 months? Mm. So, I mean, you know, that, and again, that just really depends on, um, you know, ultra-terrestrials and kind of our understanding or, you know, not inability to understand, you know, because we can't, again, we can't perceive that. Another theory that people have talked about is, you know, that Mothman could possibly be a basically a marketing scheme for the town of Point Pleasant so like I've been there and it's just I mean it is a really poverty stricken town it's really poor again they had the power plant there and the whole town I mean at that point the whole town had jobs but this was during World War II and when the war ended they didn't have a need to make these munitions anymore so when the government pulled out of the area you know it left all these people jobless the Mothman Festival, they have, a, you know, they have a festival there every year in Point Pleasant. The festival itself has only been going on for about, I think, the last nine years. I think this year is getting ready to be the 10th year that the festival is, has happened. And if you look at the numbers and, like, you can, t- like, talk to the locals, the festival brings in the entire town's revenue for the entire year. Like, they really rely on this. And, you know, they've got the museum there, which is, you know, obviously gimmicky and it's geared towards the Mothman. But then there's like other stuff, like there's an antique shop there and you know, they just sell basic antiques, furnitures, knickknacks, things like that. Um, But then they'll have like, you know, in the antique shop, they'll have like Mothman action figures and t-shirts. So, I mean, it could be that, you know, the town has kind of kept this alive, not because they genuinely believe in it, but because they, they profit off of it. 
So, I mean, that's another theory. But there's probably still people that have had experiences and, you know, felt that this was a real experience or do believe that it was a real experience. But then there's also people that are there to exploit that fact. Which just kind of blurs the lines and it makes it really hard to kind of differentiate, like, is this real or is it a hoax? Well, that's true because... I mean, as of, you know, as of current day, you know, even though the Mothman sightings, they didn't stop altogether after the bridge collapsed, um, but they did become, you know, very, they they cut down a lot. But after that, um, you know, right now there are active sightings going on of the Mothman in Chicago. There's Chicago and the Lake Michigan area, um, and they've been going on since 2016. Well, in... Hasn't he always been seen near, like, some form of body of water? Correct. He's, yeah, he's typically, I mean, there's pretty much always a big body of water, you know, which in this case, you know, there is. And, um, you know, so, I mean, now that it's happening present day, I mean, Chicago doesn't need to profit off the Mothman. You know, Chicago's a big city. They don't really need that kind of, that kind of uh, exposure, you know, but so now it's happening. I mean, the, I think, you know, the most recent sighting and I could be wrong on this, but I believe it was, you know, back in February, it was at the O'Hare airport in Chicago. So, I mean, there are active, you know, active sightings going on. I mean, you know, who knows? Um, going back to like the possibility that he's an omen theory. I mean, you know, what does that mean then? Are we just kind of waiting for something to happen? You know, what, what, what is he trying to tell us? I mean, you know, that's a possibility. Um, and then there was the guy in, uh, actually a guy in, uh, in Mason, Ohio, which is by, by Point Pleasant, um, claims to have, a taken a picture in 2016 of the Mothman. So he's, he's been making, you know, a, a re, a re, you know, resurgence back into society. And I mean, maybe that's because Point Pleasant has started the festival. They've, you know, put it out there. Um, they made John Kill's book, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, they made it into a movie. And I mean, it's a, you know, it's a big, pretty well-known movie. You know, maybe it's just because the media has put Mothman back on the map. And so, you know, but the fact that they're all kind of happening in the same area, because there are, again, one-off sightings of the Mothman. And, you know, going back to theories about what he is, I mean, if he's just a flying humanoid, there's plenty of those. I mean, we've we've, we've had plenty of those sightings. There's people have pictures, they've got videos, they've, they've reported all the time all over the world. So if that's a Mothman, then I guess he never really went away to begin with. So, so we'll see what happens with the Chicago sightings. I don't personally think he's a bad omen. I'm not expecting something horrible to happen in Chicago. Um, you know, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't know what will happen first. I don't know if these sightings will kind of, you know, teeter out a little bit or if I'll be able to finish this documentary before it does. Um, but, I, you know, I've got, my, I've got a couple theories. Um, you know, initially when I started working on the Mothman documentary, I didn't believe in the Mothman. I just kind of thought it was a fun story. Um, and I just you know what went with the flow somebody else was actually working on the mothman documentary and you know i just thought well this is a good introduction for me in a cryptozoology because it's always been something that i've been passionate about um but after really getting into it and doing the research you know i see a lot of things that are connected uh which tells me that you know this mothman business is bigger than than what it seems i think that there's more to it um i think it's more than just the mothman personally 
um, it, you know, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm going to explore. And you know, I'd kind of like to you know tell you guys a little bit more about you know the town of Point Pleasant in general, um, and, and just that whole area. I mean, it's just so weird. You know, so much happens. Um, you know, so, so many unfortunate events happen in this whole area, and, and then just weird things like the UFO sightings and you know the different creatures that are kind of in the area that all seem related somehow i mean there's not a direct link between them yet and that's kind of i feel like the the missing puzzle piece and that's kind of what i what i aim to find you know with the documentary so um you know that's that's my goal and you know i'd, I'd love to continue looking into you know john keel's work and you know kind of go on his path a little bit because i, I think he was on to something i think he was on to something you know he died with this secret um which I guess is not really a secret because he was very out there about his stuff, but it really drove him crazy um, because he could never seem to find the missing links in between the stories, but always knew that they all had some type of connection. And, you know, once you start following a lead, um, then another one pops up on that lead and then another one and another one. And you almost kind of fall down into this endless pit of theories and stories that are all connected to each other. Um, you know, but like I said, somewhere in there, there is a missing piece and, and I think we're close to finding it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be me. So we'll see. But anyway, guys, that's the Mothman. Um, you know, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do our, um, our weekly tarot reading. So we pulled the cards before we actually started recording. Um, if you guys would like us to actually do that while we're recording, just let us know. Um, but we've got the Queen of Swords, followed by Temperance, followed by the King of Swords. We also had the uh, Ace of Cups on the bottom of the deck as well. So for me, this tells me that there needs to be some form of communication from a place of love. Um, you might feel a little closed off with your emotions, um, but I feel like this is a, a great time to kind of master the way that you do communicate and the way that you do express yourself and your feelings, um, and possibly with your loved ones specifically. Um, but it is a general reading, so it can always be vice versa. Um, it doesn't actually have to be you, but... You might have somebody that comes to you that is trying to work on their communication and trying to express themselves more appropriately. So just kind of walk lightheartedly and, you know, take things as as they come and try to be as open-minded as you possibly can and uh, just work through whatever comes your way. Okay, well, we'll see what uh, what that brings us with this week. I mean, let us know. If, if that resonates with you guys, please let us know. Um, you know, I think it'd be really cool to kind of uh, put Ivy to the test and, you know, see how good her skills are, which, you know, I've personally seen firsthand. I can vouch for it, but I think I'm a little bit biased, so we'll see. So let's go ahead and pick our topic for next week's episode so we literally like we have a jar and we filled it up with different topics like we sat down and, and wrote about them and folded them up in little pieces of paper and put them in this jar and we pull them you know we'll pull it every week to kind of see you know what direction we're going and what we're talking about um if you guys have any suggestions we will absolutely add it to the jar 
um, you know, we'd love to talk about what you would like to hear about. So, you know, just let us know. But let's go ahead and see what next week's topic is going to be. Let me get this open here. Oh, there's our little jar. Do you want to pull it? Yeah. Mix them up. You know. get, get them all stirred there. I got one, and it's tarot. tarot. Imagine that. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, well, you know, like I said, so Ivy does tarot readings. Um, you know, and she's she's really good at it. You um, can uh, find me on Instagram at Seek and See Tarot. I am working towards forming a schedule to post. You know, like full moon readings, new moon readings, but also try to do weekly telescopes as well. So you never know what you might find. So, yeah, definitely get on there and, you know, check her out. That's what she does. Um, you know, in the meantime, we'll both kind of get into, you know, general topics about, you know, tarot next week. Um, if you guys have any specific questions, feel free to ask. Um, you know, you can ask either, you know, through commenting directly to the podcast or through, you know, one of the social media links, we will, you know, we'll write your questions down. We'll make sure we get them answered. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what we'll be doing, you know, next week. And of course we'll still have our weekly reading as well. I think that'd be, you know, extra fitting. So. And you can always feel free to contact us through our email as well, which is on Wednesdays, we talk weird at gmail.com. Correct. Correct. And then, you know, in the meantime, you guys know, I am also working on launching this YouTube channel. I will be having that up. I do have some scripts worked out. Um, you know, it's just getting to the filming and the editing, but you know, with the coronavirus, you know, pandemic going on i've got plenty of free time now and then you guys will have plenty of free time to watch and listen so uh, but i think that that is going to do it for today um we hope that you join us next week and for all of our other episodes as they come out but uh we'll see you guys at the next one all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.